Action. Hey there, beautiful people. Here we are again. Michael and... Colleen. A Married. little... Still. <laughs> Every time. We're still there. <laughs> this is what, six weeks running now? Mm -hmm. Or is this fourth? This is fifth one? I think this is six. Sixth. We can't count. I mean, listen to our last podcast. We can't count for anything. Little this, little that podcast. And... Um, this week we were going to do mental health and we we're going to have a guest, Katie, and, um, unfortunately she's under the weather. So, um, we said, you know, no big deal. Obviously this is just for fun. So <laughs> don't feel pressured to come or to, you know, have to talk. So we're going to push that back to next week. And last week you guys voted on whether or not you would want to listen to one year sober. Or 10 years of marriage. So, a decade of marriage, I think I said. So, you guys Just voted. It is, but I, yeah, I'm, the words. I'm making sure the words are right. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> and so, um, you guys voted on one year sober. So, we are going to do our segment on Michael's one year of sobriety. I wasn't nervous up till now. No, I've been talking about our hands are getting sweaty. The good thing is, is that we're gonna we're gonna take this from two different parts. So one from his part, being the sober, the sober one going through sobriety, and me as being the counterpart, the the spouse who is um, dealing with someone going through sobriety. Dealing with her <laughs> shit. Putting up so, on yeah. shit. And that way, it's kind of a take on both sides. What I was kind of going through and what he was going through. So it's nice. Um, for anybody else that has been gone, has gone through this, or um, that has, you know, wanting to, you know, go through this. Um, so apparently, the feed is cutting in and out, according to Gibson. Well, thanks for that. Um, don't know what to do about that. Not either. <laughs> Guess we suppose we'll uh, we'll hope it just keeps. Yeah, going. hopefully you guys keep on. Let us know if it doesn't work out properly for this uh, Facebook feed. But if the Facebook but thing doesn't work, then Eric. we have the it's all good. We have the podcast app running, so we can post that a little bit later if yeah. that's the case. It's always posted on the Anchor app, so you can always listen to our podcast on there. And uh, it's better now. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, Kimmy. Appreciate it. Just right, messing cool. with us now, he is. Yeah, probably. So all yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so tell us, yeah. Tell first, us. First, happy yeah, okay. Veterans Day. Yes. Thank you to all the. Veterans in our life who and out there, yep. Have mm -hmm. served. Colleen's grandfather served in World War II, one of mm -hmm. the few left here in St. Louis. Both of my grandpas did, but yep. one of those is no longer with us. Yep. The so, other one lives right up the street. Um <laughs> yeah. It's thanks to all the veterans. It's it's different back home. It's armistice day back home and some people like to celebrate it, some people don't. Um, for a good reason on both ends. But um here it's called Veterans Day, so it's uh yeah, it's just a celebration of veterans and the, the sacrifices that they made. So, thank you for your yes, sacrifices. thank you very much. Thank you, we appreciate it. Appreciate all that you do. And All right. So, sobriety, one year of sobriety. Mm -hmm. So, on October 14th of uh, 2018, just last month, um, I, got, I got a year of sobriety under my belt, uh, which is something that I honestly never thought would ever happen. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just... I I had a I identified I had an identification of just being a drinker and and never thought that would be something that would 
be out of my life. I just thought that was always, that was just who I was. That was part of what I was, uh, what what I did, and who I was. So, um, yeah, it started started like most people, just fifteen years old, drinking with your buddies in a field. Um, that might not be too common here, but that's that's what um, we did. It's more on. like house parties. <laughs> yeah, so we, our, our parents obviously didn't want us drinking so we'd uh we just found the whoever was the hairiest we'd uh make him grow a mustache and <laughs> send him into the liquor store so it was always between me and um and Robbo who was a buddy of ours um but yeah that's that's how it kind of started out we'd we'd go and get our stone house six percent cider and we'd get a little small bottle of vodka and a bottle of coke and and that's what we did we just go on a field and there was no no ill intention, no, we weren't up to no good for the most part until we got a little bit older. And, uh, yeah, just from the get-go, though, I was kind of the type of drinker that just went went at it. I wasn't just have one or two and leave it at that. It was get after it. And um, right from the beginning, I was puking and blacking out. And I just thought that was normal. I didn't think there was anything unusual about that mm-hmm. uh and I, would, I mean i'd be lying if i said i didn't have those moments either mm-hmm. but it was basically every time i drank from yeah. like once i got to a point where i was drunk then yeah i was mm-hmm. blacking out and all that madness um this is when you're young though yeah this is like 15 16 years we all old. go through the stage of learning right <clears throat> yeah how to drink yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true to, i had to work at it and you have to learn how to, i mean you don't just start Knowing that, oh, I should stop now. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. The, but some people got that. Some people yeah. got to a point where they're like, I kind of have an idea of my limits. And I didn't when you get up it. to, like, 21 after that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. by the time I was 17, I had been admitted to hospital for pancreatitis because I had just too much booze in my system. I, I was um, drinking vodka, and it got the better of me. I went into work. I was working in a... A DIY store back home, and um, I was just, I, I had nothing in my system, but I, I kept puking and dry reaching, and just a, I was a shit show. Mm-hmm. And um, it got to a point where I was just I was having severe back pain to go with the, the throwing up. So um, I went home, went home from work, and I couldn't sleep that night. I was still dry reaching, still severe back pain, and um, my parents ended up calling an ambulance for me, took me into, went into hospital and uh, did all the tests and found out I had pancreatitis. And back then, um, I don't know if I'm misremembering this, but I think Emma might be able to tell me, but I, I believe the doctor told me I probably shouldn't drink anymore. Um, and I kind of laughed it off. <laughs> like, what do you know? You're only, you only went to school for seven years. <laughs> So, yeah, I just kind of laughed it off and, and just said, oh, I just won't drink vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stick to the beer. Uh, and that was kind of the first <clears throat> first indication that I had a problem with drinking. Um, and then it was just the, the usual drinking malarkey. There, there wasn't anything really serious that happened after that point. But then um, by the time I hit 19... Um, I came over here, and that's that's when I think 
it really started to get get a little rough for me. Uh, came over here by myself. Didn't know anybody. Moved in with four South American guys. Leo being one of them who's watching. Um, and all great, great lads. Still keep in contact with them for the most part to this day. But it was uh, it was just a, a culture shock. Something completely new for me. I, I grew up as the baby in the house. So I was spoiled rotten. Had everything done for me. Typical um, baby of the house kind of stuff. And first semester was great. Because I, I was inundated with just new things just meeting new people and going to school and playing ball and uh then i went home for christmas and coming back over i i, I knew i had to do two things because i hadn't met any Irish people since i'd been here in the four or five months that i'd been here and and that was i i was homesick the first four months but i was able to get past it because of the the busy life that i had going i was i was constantly gone so, yeah, then coming back over after Christmas, being home, I knew I had to do two two things. One was get a job so I could pay my way with the help of my parents. And um, the other one was meet some Irish people. And where better to meet Irish people and get a job than in a bar? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that worked out well. I, just, I found a bar that was walking distance from the apartment and... and yeah, start working at the Irish bar. May not have completely told the truth about my status <laughs> as it relates to working, but I was legal to be here. <laughs> now, don't be don't be going ratting on me now. Um, so yeah, I just I started working at the bar, but the issue was I already had a problem with drinking, and then I was I felt isolated because I was I was the only Irish person in the school at the time, and I didn't really have. Any connections? I was missing home. Um, yeah, I didn't really have any connections. Like mm-hmm. I had, I had the guys that I was living with, not all teammates, but we weren't seeing each other on a regular basis with regard to teammates because we weren't playing ball. Mm. Um, being in spring semester, and um, and then the lads, they were all Spanish speaking, so uh, they they had their their clique, and I just didn't. I didn't feel like I was part of the group for the most part. Not to not to say anything bad about the lads. That this is all all me. It's nothing to do with with them. Um, so I, I got a guitar and I started learning to play the guitar. But then I'd find myself sitting in the room with beers, playing the guitar. And then it got to a point where just in order to to have a social life, then I'd just stay at the bar after I got done waiting tables, or cooking or bartending or whatever it was I was doing at the time. Um, I would just, once I got out my shift, whatever money I'd made, I'd sit at the bar and drink it. And I got Sounds to like point, old school Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's kind of, yeah, that, that's kind of the culture or, or that what I grew up with was you, you get paid on a Thursday and you, you go for mm-hmm. a few drinks on your Thursday and then Friday you do the same, Saturday mm-hmm. the same and Sunday there might be a bit of day drinking. So it was, that was just, it was mm-hmm. normal for me. I just thought that's just what you do. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I kind of I fell into a deep depression and I was homesick. I was drunk half the time. Um, I stopped going to school. And luckily, being at, at the school I was at, I, I got lucky because it was small enough to where the teachers knew who I was and, and my coaches cared enough to come over and, and check on me and see me sitting in, sitting in the kitchen mm-hmm. surrounded by beer bottles and my boxers um, <laughs> in the dark 
and mm-hmm. it was a, uh, yeah, it was just it was a dark dark time, metaphorically and literally. <laughs> but it was just yeah, it was a rough time. Coaches came in and they they basically talked me out of a depression. They said, look, this is what we can do, and they gave me some steps on what I could do and told me they'd already spoken with my teachers that they would help me out to get my grades back up and. I was able to kind of recover in that sense and get back to where I needed to be. And I was I just all through my drinking, I'd I'd always done the jump on and off the wagon. I'd I'd go a few weeks or a few months without it and then I'd just go back on and I'd go back harder and heavier than I did before. Um and that was kind of a cycle. That yeah. was something that I'd that I'd always done. And the only times I've ever <clears throat> gotten in trouble in any way shape or form was true drinking um and and it was kind of intermittent but every time i got in trouble it was a little bit more serious and a little bit more serious um and it just uh, it wasn't a yeah yeah you just i knew that it that i had a hold of me and but you were in denial at the yeah, same time I'd, i knew I'd, i needed help but i didn't want help because you weren't ready. Like I said, one, I wasn't ready, but like mm-hmm. I said, it was part of my identity. Like yeah. I'd, at that stage, I'd become, I'd almost had a reputation of, I'm the, the drunk Irish lad. Uh, I was just, I'm in the bar and I'm working and after I get done working, I'd hang out with people and drink. And we, we'd be there till four or five in the morning playing pool. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, it was when part you, of what I did. When you first came over, um, were you very outgoing? Uh, no, I was very shy before I came over here. And so then, was that helpful then to have the alcohol like helped you kind of get out there and mingle and yeah, be more absolutely. comfortable with people as well? So yeah. then it kind of was your way of like, it's almost like Big Bang Theory, you know, um, the guy who has to drink to talk to women. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, that was me, but that was to talk to pretty much right, anybody. anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't have the, the self-confidence. Yeah. And yeah, just that Dutch courage helped me mm-hmm. and, and I, I was looking for, I was always looking for approval. I was always looking to people, for people to like me and always looking for people to, to ask me about me mm. because it's, while I was drinking, I, I think mm. even stemming back, going back to, as a kid, being a, the youngest of the, the household, just naturally you're more selfish um, or at least I was. I was more selfish, and that just fed into the the drinking. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking with people, a lot of the times, um, it was always them asking about me, and I never really reciprocated. And that was that was part of my insecurity. I I didn't know how to talk to people, um, unless I had a few beers in me. So, and it's still something I kind of mm-hmm. um, I've been working hard on. Um, and people that know me might be like, that is crazy talk Yeah. to hear that. But that's, that's literally the way it mm-hmm. was. I, I needed beers in me in order to, to come out of my shell and, and be the, the funny drunk Irish guy, mm-hmm. or at least I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> many would disagree. <laughs> many, many would disagree. So but, yeah, when we met, we were, uh, 20 and 22, right? Uh, I was yeah. 20, you were 22. <laughs> yeah. So we were pretty young still, and at that stage, I mean, we were both drinking heavily, yeah. and you know, partying, and you know, just having a, a you know, a drunken love, 
you know, <laughs> literally him, yeah. you know, um, kind of relationship. And so, you know, obviously whenever we ended up getting pregnant, you know, I obviously stopped drinking and, you know, it was like, okay, nine months of sobriety for sure, you know, and then, but Michael on the other hand was like, well, I'm not going to stop what I'm, what I'm doing, you know, because we're young, we don't really know. And mm -hmm. You know, it really I, mean, I did, I did stop strain. for a little bit. I, I took a, a little hiatus, but like I said earlier, it was I did that all the way through. I jump on oh, and yeah. off the wagon. Off off, yes. I jump on and off when, the wagon. Off. Like a, you know, a, a good few months, and then you know, go heavy for a few months. For, yeah. yeah. So, I think whenever I when we got pregnant and um, after we had our first child is when I realized that you were a heavy, heavy drinker, and I wouldn't have classified it as alcoholic because I was 21, 22 at that time. So I didn't even know what alcoholism really looked like or what I even really understood it necessarily. Um, so I just knew that it was hard because I was trying to raise a child and he was still doing his, his late night shifts at restaurants and stuff and still wanting to stay and mingle and then would bring me back, you know, free food, which oh, yeah. is like, Always bring back cake. You know, the key to my soul. So <laughs> <laughs> always bring back cake. Especially when I was pregnant. Yes, especially when I was pregnant. <laughs> so he always knew how to butter me up by bringing me anything with butter on it. <laughs> so, Good to go. Yeah, it was like, I hate you, but I love you <laughs> because you bring me this food and it feels so good and you're sorry and all this. But then would just be the same thing, same cycle over and over again. And we had a, a really rough go at it yeah. um, for a long time. And then it was, um, I think, even to help save, you know, my feelings of, like, I don't like how much you drink, I then was like, you know, we need to have another baby. And felt like, you know, having another baby would help, you know, like, lock you down almost like, you know, like, yes, yeah. be like, you know, like, I need to stop drinking as much because... I mean, our daughter saw a lot as well because, I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about how drunk you would get or anything, but our daughter saw things that, you know, are not probably the best. Not, not normal. But not it, normal. It wasn't, <clears throat> like, this stuff like passing out to a point where, yeah. like, when I passed out, there was no waking me up. Though, right. Like, it just it wasn't happening, and I would pass out anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so there were times where I'd be sitting out the backyard and sitting at a fire by myself, yeah. drinking, and uh, and I'd be, I'd drink myself till I passed out. Mm -hmm. And the sad part was, yeah, Saoirse had come out at some point and try to wake me up and literally thought I was dead. She'd come in and say, Mom, Dad won't wake up. Is he dead? Like, she asked me that. And then I'd have to explain to her, no, he's just really tired and he fell asleep. So he's, you know, he's out there and he's just going to sleep outside. And literally, so it came to a point where in our relationship, I realized that when he fell asleep, when he passed out, there was no, there was no waking him up. No. And <clears throat> one thing drunk people, other drunk people that want to do with the people that are passed out is they have to move. <laughs> we have to get him to bed. We got to get him inside. No, we have to. And I'm like... No, just leave him. Leave him It'll alone. be fine. The he'll mosquitoes stumble will take in. care of yeah. him. He'll stumble in around 3 a.m. or, you know, 6 a.m. And he'll pass out then on the couch. 
it's fine. Just leave them. Because I was that person at first, too. Like, get up. Get up. We're, in, we're at home. Get up. Because I'd drive, and then he'd pass out in the car, and it would be like car couldn't get in from the car to the house. There was just no way. Mm-hmm. And I've actually carried him before, which was not easy. So I was just like, I'm done. This is done. I'm like, you're you're just staying wherever you're at. Yeah. <laughs> so our daughter had obviously seen you pass out in different areas <laughs> or ways. Over the years, yeah. <laughs> Ever seen that drunk yoga? Well, the Irish yoga? Yeah. Drunk Irish yoga? Is that what yeah, it is? That was <laughs> me, yeah. Bent over a bench backwards. That's a lot of these. We can laugh at it now. Yeah. <laughs> and even at the time, like you'd, you would make jokes of it because it's, I, I honestly thought it was normal to an extent. Um, and I, I think a lot of that uh, is to do with the culture back home is how I grew up. And this is not to say anybody, everybody at home is the way I am. This is literally just me talking about me. But it, it was, like there's a, there's that funny video, your man, Michael, mm-hmm. on, on YouTube. And he's talking about, um, there's no alcoholics in Ireland. There's no alcoholics in Ireland. No, no, not at all. And he, he basically says there's, there's four types of people, but they're not alcoholics. And there's, so you have your, your character. Oh, <laughs> no, favorite. no, Tommy down the road is just a character. It's just a character. <laughs> and then you have, uh, and then Billy is, um, Billy's just fond of a pint. <laughs> fond of the drink. Yeah, fond of the drink, yeah. He's just fond of the drink. And then and there's, there's uh, the devil of the drink. There's, your, yeah, your man down the road there, he's just, he's a devil for the drink. <laughs> and then um, your man just likes a pint. Yeah. So he's fond of the drink, he likes a pint, he's a character, and he's a devil for the drink. But what about Sharon? But there's not, no, women, no. No. <laughs> Fier, fierce alcoholics. Did we get notions? We get notions. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of, that's the mentality that I, I kind of adopted. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not a bleeding alcoholic. I just, I'm, I'm a bit wild and that's it. <laughs> that, it's so funny it's, because I think you used it the other day. I did, yeah. I'm pretty sure he used that the we other day. We were talking about like, another Like, not on Irish purpose. Lad. Yeah. <laughs> about we're, somebody you knew, yeah. We were talking about another Irish lad and uh, Colleen says, does he like to drink? I was like, ah, he wouldn't be mad for a drink now. He just likes a pint. And I just looked at it like, <laughs> are you... <laughs> Fucking real. <laughs> well, he does real for real, just like a point. He's not. He's not wild and mental. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, you just the literally fact that it came did out of me, exactly what everyone thinks that you would do. The excuse. Oh, it's so funny. The, the the biggest part about it was I get, I, so I started drinking at fifteen, and obviously, to cover up your drinking, you're constantly lying. You're you're lying about where you're going. You're lying about who you're with. Um, and there were times where I disappear for two and three days at a time. Um, some of them might have been under the influence of my sister. But, <laughs> oh, well, oh, I called you out. I she's going to be out. so mad at you. <laughs> but he didn't say which one. No, no, oh. no. Um, but they, they were good times as well. Like There were good times, but there were, the bad times definitely were bad enough to Because some to of those, things change. Because some of those um, times that you'd go missing were also in, during our relationship. Yeah. Um, with when, when we had kids mm-hmm. and that's when you know for sure like yeah it's it's a problem like it's there's something going on and I reached out to family um, I reached I, out I to friends that, I was that selfish that I wouldn't yeah. even call to let people know where I am mm-hmm. knowing that people would be worried and don't know where I am no. I was that selfish that I was because <laughs> I, I wanted the, the party to continue that I didn't want people bitching and complaining at me basically 
So yeah, right. go on. Sorry, I mean, right. for Joe. No, so it's it came to the point where like I knew I needed help to help him, and I was like I. I've tried my best to do what I can, so I reached out to friends. I then, um, you know, then it, that would work for some time, and then it would go back to the same way again, and then it was like, okay, well, I'm reaching out to family, and then that would help for some time, and then I started, you know, like, um, trying my own methods, like, well, I'm just going to ignore it, and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to love them hard, and then it was like, I'm going to leave them. And then it was like, so I tried all these Every different method. things, yes, to try and get him to understand like what he was doing wasn't okay. And especially for um, our, our unit, our family unit. And that was because, and the hardest part was, was that everyone loved him. Everyone loved him. And to the point where I felt like, you know, and I, people like him more than they like me. And I'm like... I live here. I'm like, I'm like, my friends like him better. That's not true. I'm no. just saying that's how you feel. Like, And what the problem was, is I was feeling that way because behind closed doors, I was feeling so uh, hurt and didn't want anybody to know that, you know, this this person was like, you know, yeah, he's a lot of fun and he's, and he's lively and he can talk and he's got an accent and he's good looking and, you know, all this and we have, you know, great time, whatever. But then behind closed doors, like the party doesn't end. Like, it, he just keeps going and going, and it's on his own. And sometimes I would drink just because he was drinking. And it was just come come to a point where it was just, it was hard. It was very, very hard. And I didn't know I didn't know what to do anymore. And I finally just said, this is my life. I literally said, this was my life. I'm going to have, I'm just, I have an alcoholic as a husband because I've tried everything there is. And we separated for a good time. And I knew that I loved him enough to stay with him and... I mean, I, I knew that that was what I wanted. So I literally threw my hands up and just gave way and just said, there's not, I mean, I can't do anything. There's no, no I'm just going to have to deal. I mean, this is just going to be my life. This is it. And it was immediately like, not even like maybe a month or two months after I did that, that he stopped drinking. Like, and he started his one year of sobriety, which for me almost feels like when you let go because that that was the thing. Like I was trying to do so much to get him to be sober or to drink less. I wasn't necessarily going sober, but it was to drink less or more responsibly and realize that it wasn't me. It was him. I was not the one that was going to be able to make this decision or to help him make this decision. He had to do it on his own. And that was huge. I mean, I really feel like just letting go almost helped that happen in a way. And that was the thing. Over <clears throat> over the years that I'd had instances where it, there, were, there were serious things that happened that most normal people would say, okay, that's it. Like, I got to yeah. stop drinking. That's it. Whereas I would stop drinking for a little bit and then I'd just go back to it again. And that's that's the, the insanity of being alcoholic the, the way you just you you have that reaction to alcohol that makes you insane um you just and <clears throat> scientifically it's been proven that it's a disease so um in the prefrontal cortex in the front of our brain is where we make all our our decisions it's our our ethics our morals everything is here in the, the frontal prefrontal cortex and when when alcoholics drink that prefrontal cortex is basically shut down and all of your um 
I guess all of your thinking goes back to your midbrain or your, your lizard brain, as it's called, or the, the reptile brain, reptilian. So all of your decisions that you would normally make sober, the conscious decisions that you you know, okay, this is the right thing to do, goes out the window. And not not to say that it's, that's well, that's my excuse. It's an explanation, it's not an excuse. But it, it did explain a lot for me when I when I learned that, and over the years, like I said, there were just there were just things that got worse and worse and worse and worse, and like we'd split up and I went off for a while and then I went back on and like Colleen said, she reached out to some people and um, she reached out to uh, a really good friend of ours who had been sober for maybe at that stage I think he was about eight or nine years sober and he said you know what just come to a couple of meetings with me and see what you think so I went to a couple of support groups with him <clears throat> excuse me and um, when I went in there I'd, I'd listen and tried to be as open as possible but I still wasn't I wasn't ready at this point and this was back in 2000. 15. It was April of 2015 because it was when he brought me in to the support group meetings um, it was about two weeks before my brother was to get married and I was thinking to myself there's no way I'm going to quit drinking two weeks before I go home for a wedding and then go home and be able to not drink. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so went home and Continued to drink. Well, you you came home saying, I don't think that I I am like that. I don't think that I'm that way. But um, I'm I'm going to do what I can to make it better. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more responsible. And we had had a lot of talks before that and had, you know, saying about how the drinking was an issue. You know, like I said, we've done, every, we did everything, or I did everything I could to possibly try and get this, this guy to, you know, drink responsibly. And, um... And you did, to, and I, and it's funny because at that time too, I was like, awesome. He's, you know, reaching out. He's like going actually to do something. And I was like, but can I picture myself like with a, so like him not drinking anymore? Like I actually had thoughts thinking, I don't know if I want him to not drink <laughs> all the, like, I mean, like I want him to drink. Okay. Like, I don't want him to black out drunk. You know, and I don't want him to be like crazy when he drinks and he doesn't get drunk. Like, that's great. We're having a great time and he just, he gets a little buzzed or he just, you know, he has one of those times where he just doesn't get drunk. You have like 12 beers and you don't get drunk. Like, and that was... Because I had 15 the night before. Right. So I was like, that, that's fine. If he could just do that all the time, that'd be great. But I literally had thoughts to myself mm -hmm. thinking, how, how do I really feel? I mean, does that mean that I have to be sober? Like... Am I going to have to stop drinking? And I was like, I don't want to stop drinking. I don't, what? Like, you know, it was mm -hmm. really, it was really interesting as the spouse to then, then think of like all these things that I had done and try and get you to drink responsibly. And then when the time came, I was a little bit like, do I want him completely sober? Like, I mean, I'm, I don't think I could live with somebody that doesn't drink. You know, it was really yeah. interesting. It was That's very weird and that's part flip. of the whole identity thing like yes. you, you, that's what you identified me as as well like I, I i was a drinker right but the and you're the the wife of the drinker and it was funny because i feel like 
when I stopped drinking as much, it had a, like, there was something with you that kind of flipped as well. Like, well, what happened to you? Almost kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like, you used to drink so much. You, we used to drink, like, 12 packs together. You know, like, 12 pack mm-hmm. for you, 12 pack for me. And I yeah. was like, yeah, well, that was before I had kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you have responsibilities yes, now. Don't drink like that anymore. Plus, children change a woman's body, and I just can't drink like that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Sniff of a beer, and she has a headache now. <laughs> Like, oh my God, I'm so sick. Mm-hmm. But that everything that went with it, the the lion and just all the all those negative things that you think of with someone who drinks too much, that's that's what I had. And, yeah. And I tried, I did the usual heavy drinker thing, I'll only drink on the weekends or I'll, I'll only drink at the house or when I go out, I'll only, I'll stop at three drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, I did all these tried all these different methods i won't drink whiskey i won't do it and then i'd be yeah. sneaking whiskey into me tea and then pouring baileys on top of it so it wouldn't smell like whiskey and just silly stuff like that and then yeah. just getting into arguments and fights with people and yeah. just mm-hmm. just everything was going Even wrong family like, yeah yeah mm-hmm. it was i'd gotten into so many arguments with people and hurt people's feelings and just shit wasn't going well no. it just wasn't going well like there were relationships were I didn't have strong relationships every or most of the relationships that I had were drinking buddies I oh, guess because yeah. mm-hmm. they were superficial right. they weren't they weren't they hadn't had didn't have a strong foundation um, and that was that was part of my issue that was part of what kept me drinking because I I was I felt isolated even though I had loving family back home I had a loving family here um just felt isolated mm-hmm. that's just what it was mm-hmm. and that's that's part of the like anybody that has a drinking issue or has had drinking issues that's part of the part of the deal yeah. it's just you put yourself into isolation and you go inward you don't go out and look for help or you don't go out and try to socialize mm-hmm. in, in different areas you you go inward um, so, so what made so what was the big decision like what made you say I I'm gonna get some serious help and I'm I'm gonna do this. What was that? It was an accumulation of stuff, but I I literally not to get too spiritual or religious or anything with this, but there's a phrase that I heard by a guy named Wayne Dyer, and he said, "If us praying is talking to God, then God talking to us is your intuition," and for about two weeks, I had this wheel on my head turning, saying, you need to stop drinking, you need to stop drinking, you need to stop drinking, you need to stop drinking. And it got to a point where, like, it was it was on my mind all the time of what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And I ended up running into somebody that I hadn't seen in years who told me um, he had gotten five DWIs and had to go to prison and... Uh, lost his girlfriend and his two kids and now is that girlfriend is was with somebody else and and had kids with somebody else and right there and then after talking with him i did what you did i just completely i just threw my hands like up and surrender mm-hmm. and just said this is it this is it this is the moment so i um i might get emotional <laughs> <laughs> um that was when i called uh 
I you can't cry because if you cry, then I'm gonna cry, <laughs> <laughs> and then they're all gonna cry. <laughs> it's not easy to talk about, um, but it was it was yeah. I, in that moment, I just said I got a I got a call that the same friend who had reached out to two years before, and I'd I hadn't taken his advice, and I hadn't I hadn't I wasn't ready. I guess I just wasn't ready. At that time, but this time I was ready, and he put me in touch with a couple of people. I went and talked with those people. They told me this is what you have to do, and I I let my ego go, and I let you just said I'll I'll do whatever you need me to do, because I can't I can't live the way I've been living anymore. I just can't do it. So, um, what makes you so emotional about that story? It's. I don't know. I, it was, <clears throat> I don't know. It's like being fucking struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. It was just this wave of, it was almost a relief, like just a weight lifted mm-hmm. that was able to just say, you know what, I'm done. That's it. I've had my fun. It was a surrendering. A surrendering. It, it, it was it pure was, yeah. surrender. Yeah. And some people might say it's, it was God. Some people might say it was um, just your, your inner self. Mm-hmm. Some people might say it was, Allah, I don't know what you mm-hmm. might say it was, but whatever it was, it was it was something powerful enough to to get me to stop. Yeah. And yeah, th- it was just the surrender to mm-hmm. say, you know what, life isn't working this way. Let's try something different. That's that's huge. I mean, that's you know that's hard. That's it was very hard to you fight for so long on something, and then all of a sudden you just surrender. That is not easy. No. At all. And a a big part of it was the fear of. Of losing you and losing mm-hmm. the kids, and um, I honestly felt like if I kept going the way I was, I'd probably end up in dead, mm-hmm. dead or in jail, mm-hmm. um, just because drinking and driving and and just not being responsible. Yeah, I thought I'd lose my business, and I thought I'd lose friends, and just I thought I'd lose everything, or more so, give it away. Not it was almost so like you were um, playing out futuristic scenarios yeah that did not end out did not end well yeah for you at I, least yeah I, I put yeah. the tape in played it fast forward and then mm-hmm. and nothing was gonna come good from it. and i also rewinded that tape and looked at everything that had ever gone wrong in my life was mm-hmm. due to drinking so yeah. i figured well let's try not drinking and mm-hmm. see what i see what life can bring so then started your one year of sobriety. Yeah, the fourteenth of October, um, I went to my first support group um, that Monday, and how was that? It was daunting, a little bit scary, um, but the good thing is I'd I knew a couple of people that were in there, mm-hmm. um, or I'd been put in touch with a couple of people who took me under their wing immediately, mm-hmm. um, just showed me this unconditional love and and. I was told surrender just yeah. for want of a better phrase, shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah. So I did. I I did what these people told me to do and, and I I followed the route that they followed because they'd had twenty five, thirty, thirty five years of sobriety under the belt and these guys were all living happy lives. they 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 when you see people happy people you just you know what happy people look like. Yeah. Um like they have it together. And I wanted that. 
I wanted to be happy mm-hmm. because I was miserable for so long. Right. Yep. That was um that was really interesting when you um went and you said like this is this is for real. I'm doing this. Like, you know, I'm I'm not going to live this life anymore. I'm going to make this better and um for myself and for us and for everything, you know, to be happier. And um for me at that time, I was like heard the story before. You know, I was like, okay. You know, at that point, like I said, I had surrendered um, to the the disease itself and was just like, you know what? Okay. You know, and every single time I'd always given the benefit of the doubt, but every single time I had been let down. Yeah. So this is the same kind of thing. I was like, okay, you know, we'll see how it goes. All right. Got it. Hopefully this is what he needs. Like hopefully that, that little wave, that shake, whatever it was, that wake up call, like uh, hopefully this works. Like we'll see what happens. So I was a little bit skeptical, but again, at the same time, I was like, be optimistic and I'm an optimistic person. So I was like, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, maybe this will really work, blah, blah. So started the phase of, I would like to say like the first phase of sobriety. It almost goes in like you know, three month yeah, <laughs> spans three or four months. months. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it was kind of like phase one of sobriety. And it was very interesting because, you know, as he's going to support groups and, you know, getting the help that he, he needs, um, it was very, it was very tumultuous, 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 Tumult. <laughs> mulch. It was just a bunch of mulch. It was, it was crazy. Let's just go with crazy. I was trying to sound smart. Hey, <laughs> stop doing that. You're pretty though. It's okay. <laughs> so, um, it was hard because of the fact that I was glad he was getting help. Um, but I was still kind of skeptical and I still hated the fact that he was leaving to go, you know, get support and get help that he needed. But I still had the feelings of every time he left with friends or said, I'm going out to, you know, do this on his own, it always ended up resulted in either a drunk phone call or, um, a drunk, you know, like him coming home and passing out or me not knowing where he is. And so I still had, even though he's going to these support groups, I still had these feelings of like he's gonna something. The yes. The I'm home. like, he's <laughs> lying to me. Like he's going to go to the bar like, or yeah. Or it's like, would they go to support group and then go like out to dinner? And then would he be like, Oh, I'm just going to have a drink. And then next thing you know, leads into, and I was like, you know, there was all these things playing out in my head, these scenarios mm-hmm. and, and not knowing. And then every time he'd come back and he was sober and they'd be like, okay, mm-hmm. but it took some time to really get used to that. Even for me, just to realize that he was actually coming home sober regularly. And it wasn't until like three months in or so that I was kind of like, holy shit, like this is for real. Like, he's I mean, this is it. probably the longest that he's been sober. I think Since I mean, it was about 15. Yeah. yeah. So I was, and then, and then came like phase two, which was like your next step, I guess, was, you know, to sobriety. And Cause the, I, yeah. the first, <clears throat> the first three months were obviously kind of emotional because you're, you're taking a part of yourself and you're, you're just amputating it. Um, well, for me, that's what I did. I just amputated. It wasn't a situation where I was like, oh, just ease my way into sobriety. Like I was, it was what do I have to do? Because I have that, I have the, I have a bit of a perfectionist complex in me to where I have to, if I'm doing something, I have to do it all the way. I have to get it done as quick as possible. And it has to be the best that's ever done it. Um, 
And if it's not, then I'll go back and I'll do it again until it is the best. So I was told, just strike while the iron's hot. You're enthusiastic about trying to get sober. So do everything in your power to do to, to get and stay sober now. So that's what I did. I, I just went balls to the wall and and did everything that I was told to do and, and got through the steps that I needed to take. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then getting into the, the second phase, like a lot of it. So basically, the, the thing that I was missing the whole time for me was the spirituality side of things that we talked about a few weeks back. I'd always had the mind and the body, per se. But I, n- I never had the spirituality. Um, I tried to find it. I never looked for help. But now I had the help. Now I had a mentor. Now I had somebody to guide me through and figure out this is how it's done. This is how thousands, if not millions of people have done it before you. Um, this is this is what works. So I just I followed that. I followed that those steps. Um, but then I also started to find my own little spiritual journey and started um, finding other support groups then. Um, and, and hanging out with different people who were trying to do the same thing and staying in contact with people who were trying to do the same thing. And it, it just made life easier. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy what happened. Bad things stopped happening. <laughs> it was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say there aren't challenges. There obviously, there's always, always going to be challenges. Life's still going to happen. But... Yeah, there were definitely still triggers because... I mean, we'd go, we'd go out. I think at first it kind of avoided any kind of like social outing. And then it was, um, in like phase two, (laughs) I love how I put this in phases and like phase two, we, and you know, started going out a little bit more and I think the first phase was Thanksgiving was the month later and then we had Christmas. Oh yeah. And so those were, those would have been huge triggers for me. Um, I don't think I drank during those either. No, I don't think you did. I think I stood in solidarity with you. Did I do it right? <laughs> I said it right. <laughs> Nailed it. Anyways, yeah, it was um, that was it was hard. And then the second phase, you kind of let let a little go. A little bit. And more, yes, yeah. and then was you know like okay, we have a party coming up or whatever, and and then he was just like you know, go you know if you want to drink, drink. And I was like, I don't know, like, am I not supposed to be drinking? Am I? I mean, is it okay that I drink? I mean, is this? I mean, is it going to trigger you? Is it? I mean, if I have, I was like, don't have it in the house around them. Like, don't drink around them. Like, I literally thought that I needed to be like, you know, I need to be clean. Like, I was like, don't even have Bailey's in my tea, you know, kind of thing. Because I knew, Sacrilegious. yes, I knew like Bailey's and tea was our thing. Yeah, you know, and I was like, the smell alone will make you like go crazy. And I'm like, so I'm, I just thought, you know, like this is, you know, I don't, I don't think I should do anything. I don't think I should do anything mm-hmm. around him. And then in phase two, it's kind of like a little let go. Like I would have a couple beers, but that's all I would really have. And then, um, he would come to the parties and like, you know, socialize some more. And I knew that I would ask him like, how was that? And he'd be like, that was a little tough. You know, that, that wasn't too bad, you know, and. He just kind of would walk away if he was kind of feeling... I always brought a cigar with me. Yeah. So I could just walk out and be outside by myself. Yes. Just to kind of catch a breath and and be away from it. Or maybe Mm -hmm. talk, text somebody or call somebody just to kind of get a little bit of reinforcement. And then I'd go back in and and do what I had to do. Yeah. Wasn't easy. No, definitely Mm -hmm. wasn't. But the the more sobriety I've gotten under my belt, um, and it's not just about not drinking it's about recovery Mm -hmm. and 
the best uh, definition I've heard of recovery is recovery is, um, as it relates to alcoholism, is uh, rediscovering part of yourself that was lost or hidden. And and I feel like that's what I've been doing this last year has been, it's rediscovering the person who I really am. Like now I'm now I'm comfortable in my own skin. I can be around people that are drinking and and still be part of the conversation, and not just sitting back and yeah and whereas that wasn't the case before. Mm-hmm. So I've I've grown as a person since, yeah. and I think we've grown closer as a couple as well. Absolutely. Ever since it's yes. like my relationships all across the board have been better because now I'm I'm not lying and I'm not I'm not being dishonest in any way. Now I have no problem being honest with people and just telling them what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no shit Yeah, because at first behind. it was kind of like, why aren't you drinking? Well, I just, you know, like, you know, I feel like it. But now it's like he's actually honest about, you know, like, well, I just don't drink anymore. Like, I'm I'm sober. And, uh, you know, that's, I just can't handle it like you can, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, so, and it's come to the point where, you know, like I went to a support group for myself even one time um, and realized feelings that I had kept from, you know, like myself from this whole, you know, situation and, um, you know, knowing that that helped a lot as well and almost like was freaked out by it. I was really like emotional and freaked out. I think because I was writing, I was waiting for everything just to collapse, everything to fail and everything to fall apart. And, um, and that was, that was scary. It was very scary. And then realizing that like, you know, this was for real, and then finally going to a support group and then, you know, knowing that like, you know, and being able to say, so, you know, my husband's been sober for six months or whatever it was, four months maybe at that time. <clears throat> and I was like, everybody's like, well, congratulations, you know, that's fantastic. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know what to do. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have anxiety like I did before. I didn't, you know, about him going anywhere. I don't, you know, I'm not worried about having drink in the house because, it's not all just going to be drink. Like, you know, yeah. I couldn't put anything in the fridge for myself because it would be drink. And I was like, but now I, I mean, I, I can, I, and I don't feel bad about it. You know, like at that phase three was kind of like the whole, you know, really starting to realize what it was like as a couple to be sober and for me to be able to drink and permanent DD right here. Yeah. <laughs> permanent. Hey, I did three, three tours. Tw- I mean, three tours, months. three, nine month tours, 27, 27 months <laughs> yes. worth of DD. Yes. So my time has come. Yeah. 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 And then it was, and that's whenever, um, we really got to, you know, realize that this was like, you know, this is huge. It was amazing. And we did, we, I mean, we've grown so close and probably the happiest we've ever been and mm-hmm. really in our relationship. And, um, it's, it's fantastic. And I couldn't be more proud of him, of you Aww. and what you've accomplished. I mean, it's huge. I mean, that's, it's one of the, I mean, oh, like our daughter wrote, oh my gosh. So obviously we celebrated his one year sobriety and, um, it's and my new birthday. It's her, his new birthday. And so of course the kids and I got him, um, cards and we got him his favorite foods and, and, um, like a monster and, um, a Kit Kat and like all of his favorite kind of stuff. And we got him, um, birthday cards and our, our oldest daughter, 11 year old daughter wrote, uh, this is, I'm so proud of you. This is your biggest accomplishment yet. Besides having me, of course. <laughs> That's my girl. Was, oh, my God. That's it was the my best. girl. I think um, our son wrote, um, I'm so proud of you, Daddy. I like you better not drinking. Mm-hmm. 
And that was that was huge. I mean, I was like, whoa. Yeah. And I Could mean, you yeah. Date? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because as much as we try to hide it, you know, from you know our kids and stuff, they're they're so intuitive. They're, they yeah, know. They, they know what the hell's going on. They knew all along, and it became normal. You know, like oh, dad's. You know, dad had another beer, or dad. You know, dad's passed out again. You know, it became very normal, and uh, to know that he wasn't doing that anymore was made such an impact mm. on our kids as well. That's that's enough to stay sober right there. Just yeah. having your kids say that I like you much better like this. Yeah. Like, how much of an asshole was I before? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm not saying anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> but even yesterday, so, like, this was kind of a routine. On Friday, I'd come home and I'd get a few beers. And uh, Saturday, I'd work in the morning. But then I'd come home and I'd watch soccer on telly. And... Uh, I'd always get beer on the way home, oh, and I'd it. and I'd start <laughs> drinking in the in the morning, um, around for the eleven o'clock game or eleven thirty game, or whatever it was. But then, that was it. Like that was the, the rest of the day was me drinking. There was no matter what anybody else wanted to do was you can go do what you want, but I'm here watching the football and I'm drinking. Um, and yesterday, Colleen was off being Hollywood as she is, uh, doing her acting gig being a badass um i had the kids by myself and same routine came home from work there was no bills involved obviously but i sat down and watched the game and then i was like all right kids what are we doing and i took them swimming and we went and swam and then we came home and we all cooked together and ate together and it was just a to think what the scenario would have been yeah, like like 14 months ago yeah. 13 months ago it's just it's I would a, have been terrified to leave. It's a it's a complete one eighty. Like yeah. it's just a complete one eighty to go from being the, the selfish asshole that I was to now actually caring about what other what other because yeah. it's not all about me, believe it or not. <laughs> it is not all about me. No. But yeah. It was it's it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. And it's and it's, it's been still going. It. Mm -hmm. It's a it's still a journey. And uh there's gonna be tough days and you know, there's a lot more good days, though, which is really yeah. freaking awesome. And um, we just want to let you guys know that if uh, you need any help, if your situation is almost similar or you feel like you need help, there are lots of support, support groups out there. Even if you are the um, spouse of a, a heavy drinker, there are support groups for you there that are very helpful. And um, we can get you in contact with them. Um you know, uh, you obviously have um, Alcoholics Anonymous and multiple other types of groups that they have that you can help. And Al-Anon, who are also for um, family members, spouses, sisters, brothers, anything of, of um, anybody yeah. that has an addiction. Yeah, there's ACA. It's yeah. um, Children of Alcoholics, basically. Yeah. There's uh, Refuge Recovery, which is a Buddhist path of recovery. And then there's a Smart Recovery, which is more based on the scientific side of things so there's there's so many different things out there because yes. people have obviously have preconceived notions of what each group consists of like whether it's AA, like oh no it's a it's a big it's a cult it's a clique and blah 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 and people think religion's crazy and people so there's 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 something out there for everybody there is um, it's just a matter of are you willing to go out there and find it because it's there's no shame in getting help or support um, from anybody because it is hard and even if you feel like you can be each other's support 
it's not that easy. No, it's not so enough. It's not. You, you can't do it by yourself. Right. Um, not not long term. It's if you want true sobriety and true recovery, you really have to uh, you have to reach out and find other yeah. people that are trying to do what you're doing. Um, because one, that our mind by itself is only so good. But when you hear other other ideas and find other ways to do things and have other perspectives on how to deal with life, um, life becomes easier because we're essentially we're all in this together. And if you if you isolate and you try to do it by yourself, it's it's just not going to end well, in my opinion. So right. don't be afraid to reach out for help, right. ask for help, um, and surrender. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, like coming into this and and talking about it. If you were to tell me a year and a half ago that you'd be talking about being a year sober, I'd have laughed. Because, one, I wouldn't have had the balls to do it. I wouldn't have had the balls to talk to people about it on Facebook or on a podcast. podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Two, I wouldn't have thought I'd be sober. Yeah, There's no way I'd have been sober for that long. But I've gotten to a point now where I I can be honest mm-hmm. and I can and I I honestly and don't it's beautiful and I don't it feels care what so people good. Think. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So please let us know. You can always email us at um, lotlotpod at gmail dot com. You can find us on our Facebook and Instagram pages um, individually. Um, you can message in on the Anchor app. A little of this, little of that podcast. Thank you as always for joining us. We hope you guys got a little something out of it. We always do. We yep. like to talk about stuff. So join us next week. We will have Katie on next week for a mental illness. Um, she's an RN who works in the psych ward and has some really great um, stuff to talk to us about next week. And the following week after that, we will then talk about our dec- decade of marriage. There you but go. Yes. There it so, is. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for listening. Strive for progress. Not perfection. <laughs> Peace and love, folks. Peace and love.